Welcome to Tribe Talk, where we focus on the topics that will help you improve your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. I'm Dr. Elena Villanueva, and helping people improve their mental health is my passion. I'm Ann Hutira, and nutrition is my passion. Together, we invite you to be a part of our tribe and learn how addressing the root causes of your symptoms can bring you improved health and wellness. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next hour of Tribe Talk. Hi, everyone. It's so good to see you today. Everyone's jumping in. Yeah, so we wanna we wanna start out today by just opening up opening it up for Q and A. I mean, we do in all of our tribe talks. We try to leave some time at the end to get to your questions. Um, so today we're going to devote that totally to you. Um, any questions you need answered? Maybe some topics in the past we've gone over um, that you didn't get your question in, or we didn't get to it. Um, so pretty much free for all today, whatever you guys want to talk about and got a few suggestions coming in already. And I really love this one from Annette, um, because this is something that we see with a lot of our clients, Dr. V and talking about clearing mold, yeast and fungus. This is a big one for us. You know, a lot of our clients, when we do their testing with them initially, uh, these are the things that we tend to find, um, as some of the root causes of their symptoms. So I guess let's spend some time talking about how we address those different things and, and some of the steps that we walk our clients through. Um, for clearing mold, yeast and fungus. So that's a really, really good one. Oftentimes, um, whenever we have mold, we want to discover like what kind of mold issue that we have. And it's really important to figure out where the source is coming from. Unlike candida, which is normally found um, inside of our GI tract, but whenever we have other infections or we have an alteration in the, in the diversity of the ecosystem or microbiome in the gut, that can actually allow candida to overgrow, right? And so in that case, you're not necessarily looking for the source of where it's coming from. So let's go back to mold for just a minute and let's talk about the mold. Um, so super, super important to figure out where mold is coming from. Um, we were just on a, a, a team meeting yesterday talking about one of our clients who, uh, who is over in the UK and, uh, um, every time that she would leave the house, she start, she would start feeling better. And we kept telling her, well, you know, we need to figure out if the mold is coming from the house. We had already identified two or three different strains of mold um, from her mycotoxin test where we actually test for the mold. So we knew that that was causing some neurological issues in this, in this teenage girl. Um, but the mom was insistent that there was no mold in the house because they couldn't see it. Well, it turns out that there is mold in the house. And so, you know, one of the problems that the daughter has had is that, is that we're working on uh, putting, you know, giving her binders and other supplements to help pull the mold out of her body. But every time that she's home, she's getting, you know, more mold on the back end because, she, because they haven't um, um, been able to get rid of the source. They didn't realize that that was a source. And so, First thing is finding out where's the mold coming from and, and, and getting rid of your exposure to the mold in the first place. 
then we can, you know, start effectively, uh, you know, getting the mold out of our bodies. It can take time. So, you know, as far as the time frame for, for getting rid of the mold, number one, what kind of mold is it? Some mold can come out of the body a lot easier than others. Um, the other thing to consider is how sensitive are you? People that are very, very sick with mold, uh, with mold infections uh, can sometimes become highly sensitive to everything, to chemicals, to the mold itself, to foods, to the supplements that are binding and trying to get the toxins, you know, these mold toxins out of the body. And so, you know, if somebody is super sensitive and they're not able to get up to full dosages of their supplements to help bind and get the mold out, um, it could maybe take a few months longer than someone, for example, who can, you know, take full doses of everything to get rid of the mold. So, you know, and then, and then whenever we go into Candida, um, so many people want to, um, you know, get rid of the candida, the candida is causing all my problems, you know, uh, but once we look a little bit deeper, we learn that um, candida is just one of the many problems. When people have a candida issue, 99% of the time, they have a lot of other issues going on. They have other co-infections, they've got, you know, mycotoxins or heavy metals or environmental toxins um, or, or different things like that going on. And once we can address those primary issues, then the candida can very easily get put back into, you know, into normal range. You know, and sticking with the, the mold and the candida issue, Corey has a comment here. She says, yep to the mold and candida clearing and keeping up with clean eating starting to lose my motivation and you know what corey hang in there we work with so many people who are dealing with mold and candida you know i myself dealt with candida and currently dealing with mold myself and yes the diet is challenging and when you do it month after month after month you start to really lose your motivation for doing this diet because it is very restrictive and so, you know, what do I do to kind of stay motivated? I remind myself why I'm doing this. You know, I want to feel better. So I'll eat whatever I have to eat personally to get there. Um, a lot of times we just have to do a little check with ourselves and kind of keep things in perspective. You know, the diet isn't going to be forever. You know, as, as soon as we can clear out the mold and kind of get those infections out of the body and those toxins out of the body, you know, they will find balance. So I know it's challenging. I know it's tough, but hang in there. And, you know, we're here for you to give you ideas if you need ideas on how to switch your diet around. But it's a really good point, Corey, that diet is important because if you are dealing with candida, but you're continuing to put a lot of these things into your body that feed the candida, you know, then you may not make much progress or your progress may be much slower than you want it to be. So, you know, I like to tell people as tough as it is, power through if you can, you know, the quicker you can get rid of this and help balance out your body, you know, the faster you're going to feel better in the long run. Yeah, you know, that's absolutely true. These processes can take some time and it can become really hard to stay motivated. One of the things that we notice that really seems to help people is doing the testing and the follow-up testing. You know, it's kind of like when you're losing weight, if you don't see any changes on the scale, it's so easy to become disheartened and unmotivated. Um, and, but if you see a little bit, even if it's like half a pound a week or a pound a week, right? You know, that really can keep you motivated to keep going in that direction. And then the next thing you know, you've actually reached your goals. 
Well, whenever we're working with clients, we do a lot of retesting. Um, you know, we can see big changes usually within 90 days, whenever we're doing any type of detoxification, whether it's um, environmental toxins um, or mycotoxins. And so we retest so that we can start to see the um, changes. And that helps a lot with keeping someone on track and motivated. Wonderful. So a couple questions coming in here. Um, Cheryl's asking, what is your opinion on wearing masks? So a lot of people are wearing the masks nowadays. A lot of cities, uh, you know, are kind of enforcing that their residents wear these masks. A lot of businesses are saying, you know, if you want to come into our business, you have to be wearing a mask. Um, what's your take on this, Dr. V? So before we get into even talking about this, I want to say that we respect whatever choice that you feel that you need to make. Okay. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that um, there's a lot of misinformation going around. And unfortunately, we believe um, on the MHH team, we believe that, uh, that there is a ton of misinformation coming from organizations who we should be able to trust their information. Um, and so, you know, with that said, we'll give you our opinion. Okay. Um, you know, our opinion on this is that you know, masks are not going to prevent you from getting sick. Um, you know, if you are sick and you go out, then yeah, wearing a mask is probably a good idea because if you're coughing and sneezing, it'll help help to contain the spread of the germs. When a person sneezes or coughs, especially when they sneeze, um, and I just wrote an article on this, the, the, um, the, the particles that you sneeze the droplets can go as far as 27 feet, right? And they can remain in the air and just kind of float along with the current of the air. If there's air conditioning going on or if it's outside, they can just kind of float. Now that's, I'm not telling you that to scare you. It's been like this since the beginning of time, right? And so, you know, and, and frankly, if a person is sick, they really shouldn't be going outside and going and going into public spaces anyway. And of course, you know, we know that that's not probably not going to happen either because people always go out when they have the flu or the cold or they have a cold or they have a fever. People still go to work anyway and all of that stuff. Um, but so when it comes to a mask, just remember that, you know, you are getting restricted oxygen flow. And it's so funny that you'll hear, you'll hear agencies and you'll hear other doctors and professionals talking about that in regards to kids. But it happens to adults too. Adults are getting restricted oxygen flow. So, you know, you have to take those things into consideration and you're rebreathing any type of germs or toxins that you're exhaling. A lot of people forget too that breath is one of the other ways that humans detox. We, we, we detoxify through our skin by sweating right? Um, and we detoxify through our urine, we detoxify through our feces, and we also detoxify through our breath, right? And so, you know, whatever you're exhaling that is toxin or any, or any particles of any virus or bacteria that, you're, that you would normally exhale that would go out of your body, you're rebreathing that in and you're concentrating those germs when you do that. And so, you know, again, if you feel like that's necessary, I promise you, if any of us see you on the street, we're not going to be giving you the look, right? Because shaming people is so wrong and you just shouldn't do that. Um, you know, uh, uh, but 
our opinion from the medical knowledge and you know just from what we know and from our training we don't believe that the masks are very useful um and so yeah that's just answering that one and one one little thing on that um a study just came out on masks and they they went head to head on surgical masks on cloth masks against covid and they did not find that there was any difference mask versus no mask. And this is coming out of the Journal of Internal Medicine, I believe. So a very reputable source looking at do these masks do a lot um, to, to stop the spread of COVID. Yeah. You know, having said all that, if someone obviously feels more comfortable wearing a mask, you go ahead and wear the mask. And if you, you know, if you are sick, or you have one of those conditions where you're, you know, at a higher risk, if you have a chronic illness, then it's probably best to stay home as much as you can or stay away from huge crowds as much as you can. So, you know, you kind of have to make the decision and the choice and, and what you feel is right for you and your personal health. All right, so we've got some other questions coming in here. Um, let's kind of go back to mold for a second, because this is a great question from Diane. And I know, Dr. Tori, you recently dealt with this, so you can probably give some advice to Diane. How extensive is it to test for mold in your house? So how does someone go, go about testing if they have an issue with mold in their house? That is a great question. And there's a lot of different things you'll read on the internet, but I recommend bringing out a mold service and bringing out someone that specializes in mold, not a home inspector, not someone that you know kind of does mold on the side, a company that is specific for mold testing. And they're gonna do a lot of different things. They're gonna use um, infrared and they're gonna look behind walls to see if there's a temperature change with the mold. If they find that, they're going to sample, they'll probably drill into your wall, they're gonna sample it and culture it to see if there's mold in there. And then they're gonna take air samples. So they hit it from a lot of different angles and that's what you wanna do. There's, um, you can buy things on the internet that you set in a room and it will, you know, has little stickies and the mold spores are supposed to catch on it. Uh, I did that, it did not show, but it was because my mold issue was actually in the walls, in the ventilation. And so bringing out a mold company is awesome. It's worth the money. It's not, I mean, it's not horribly expensive, but it is 100% worth the money. And for you guys, if you're ever buying a house or doing anything where you're gonna purchase a house, move into a house, I know Dr. V and myself both highly, highly recommend bringing out mold specialists to do the really detailed testing and culturing. Yeah, you know, once you once you learn what mold does to the human body and the brain and what it does to your child's brain and you know their their developing brain and body, um, you know, then you will trust me, you'll have no problem spending the money. Um, my son was looking at we we were looking with my son for a home for him in Houston last last year. And uh, we found a beautiful home. We were so excited about this house. Um, it was just, it was the perfect house. And um, we paid for a mold inspector to come out. A lot of people don't think to do that because they, they just automatically assume that the inspector that is supposed to come check the house also checks for that. They don't check for that. So we hired a, a mold inspector, not a mold remediation company. Those are the people that come in and fix the problem, but you want to hire a mold inspector. And it was around six, 700 bucks for that. And it was worth every penny because there's nothing that's going to fix my grandson's IQ if the mold ends up causing him mental issues and it's already caused the damage to his brain, right? And so it's worth every penny to go ahead and do that. 
And, you know, it's also important to keep in mind that if you're searching for the place where you're getting exposure, don't rule out your place of work. You know, a lot of older buildings, um, you know, don't necessarily stay on top of inspection when they should. And, and a lot of them don't look for mold. A lot of schools, a lot of government buildings, these, you know, if you work or you're in one of these places on a regular basis, you know, that could be another place where you're getting exposure. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, your own personal home. Um, so this question is from Gloria, and this is a great question. She's, ask, she's asking, what about using stevia, organic stevia, when she's on an AIP diet? And I really like this question because, um, you know, when you're on an AIP diet, you are trying to lower the inflammation in your body. You know, it's important to take out all those foods that cause inflammation, sugar being one of those highly inflammatory foods you know so what do you do if you want something sweet um, and you're on an AIP diet I personally like to use stevia I use organic stevia it does come from a plant but um, I do tell people to use it in moderation so you don't want to overdo some of these natural sweeteners um, I also will do honey and maple syrup you know quality products you know like your raw local honey or your organic grade a maple syrup I'll use those in baking as well um, but stevia is a great choice. So you really just want to avoid your processed sugars, your white sugar, and you want to avoid overdoing any of your highly processed alternatives. You know, there's a lot of alternatives that are coming out now, like your Swerve um, and some of these other brands that are new on the market. And, you know, not that these are bad products to use on occasion, but you just want to avoid overdoing it because honestly, there hasn't been a lot of research and study on, on long-term use of some of these things. Um, but Stevia Glory is a, is a great choice. Let's see, so moving on to the next one. Um, Let's see. This one comes from Cami, and hi, Cami. She's she's one of our clients. We're so glad that you're here, Cami. So this is her question: With mainstream approach to cleaning everything, from buses to grocery stores, do you think we'll have to take new precautions when touching and breathing in the areas where we're beginning to re-enter? She says um, earlier she went into an HEB and she walked out with hives. This is a great point because my husband brought this up the other day that he's been doing all of our grocery shopping and he notices the really intense smell of a lot of these cleaning products now in some of these public places. So Dr. V, talk a little bit about how some of these products can affect us over time. You know, a lot of these products are very toxic, actually, and they leave um, they leave uh, even you know um, aerosolized type. Or even, I wouldn't even call it aerosolized, but they they off put gases that are toxic that can damage your lungs the same as if you were smoking. And so, you know, um, I think that um, you know it remains to be seen. You know what what these people in public spaces are going to do. I think that a lot of that is going to be dependent on us speaking our voices or voting with our dollar. And if you are walking into places and the and the cleaning um, smells are just so toxic, you know, so 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 strong. I think it's going to be up to us. Um, you know, uh, the the ones who are giving them our business to speak up and say something about it. Um, you know, there's, there, there's so much fear. Uh, you know, th this is such a fear-driven issue um, with, with, with not a lot of science to back it up. Actually, really, I mean, the, 
the, the science that's backing this up is showing us that this is a very weak virus, all right? And now that true statistics are coming out, and it just makes me so angry because people are so fearful. And, and I feel, you know, I feel angry at what's been put out there that has scared so many people um, because I don't want to see people living in fear. But this virus, it's a weak virus. Um, and, and it's, it's, while the mechanism of how it's causing people to die, yes, it's scary and it's different than what we've seen. The rates of death are no different than the flu. Okay. The rates of death are no different than the flu. Um, and you know, the flu death is scary too. And, and so is dying of kidney failure. And so is dying of liver failure. Any kind of death from any kind of a medical condition is scary. All right. So yes, this one's scary, but it's just, it's not too much different than all the other stuff we see. The other stuff is scary too. Nobody wants to die of the flu or pneumonia yet people do every single year. Thousands of people do, um, you know, with the cleaning stuff, I think it's just really important to, you know, if you're going into a store and you're coming out with hives or your throat starts burning, then don't go back into that store say something, write to the management, you know, get your community involved, use um, Five Mile. That's, a, that's an app that you can put onto your phone and start connecting with everybody in the community who probably shops at that store, start a petition to get them to stop using toxic cleaning products and to start using, you know, um, cleaner products. Because, you know, to get germs off of a surface, you know, or, or off your hands, um, it doesn't require all of these toxic, toxic products. We're going to end up seeing people get sick from that. So great question from Laura here. She, um, from Lauren, excuse me. So going back to the, to the mold issue, she says she has aspergillus and environmental toxins and she's 64. Have we worked with older people and had them clear this and get their coffee? abilities back. Often our case studies are younger people. So she has this question about older people like herself. Oh, well, we actually do have case studies with, with, uh, with people in their 60s and 70s. Um, and yes, they're, they're regaining cognitive function. They're, um, they're able to get up and walk. Tell us, Dr. Tori, who were we, which client was it that we were talking about who finally got up out of her wheelchair and started walking last week? Yeah, we have a client and she's in her late 70s, I believe. Um, and she had been in a wheelchair bedridden for years um, with some muscle contracture and got up out of a wheelchair. And so, you know, it's, it's, age is just a number. You can, the body can heal at any age when you give it the right things. And, and, and what, what was it that we found with her? Oh, and yeah. How long have we been working with her? So she had very, very high mold and her mold had caused high oxalates. Um, and so um, she had, you know, mold exposure for about 20 years when she was working. And so she had been on antimicrobials and some mold supplements for about three, three, three and a half months and was starting to see that. And so she got out of her wheelchair and she was walking with a walker. So it's not like she went, you know, did a complete 180, but a huge step in the right direction, um, just clearing the mold and getting her toxicity down. Yeah. And so just so you know, age is just a number, right? Um, your body can be super healthy and it still has the ability to, to regenerate and heal itself un until you're no longer on this earth. Like, you know, if you give your body the chance, it will heal itself. And an update for those of you who came in later, 
who were waiting for Dr. Judy Mikovits, so were we. Uh, the times got mixed up. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're all in different time zones. And so there was a mix up there. And, uh, and uh, you know, we will be starting with our three-part series with her on Friday. So we're so sorry. We were bummed too that that happened. We were super bummed going, oh my God, what are we going to do? Um, so, uh, you know, but we're doing Q&A today. It's all Q&A. So we're here to answer your questions and to talk about whatever you want to talk about. So this next question, we talked about masks. This question comes from Frank. He's asking, what about wearing gloves? He sees a lot of people wearing gloves out in public. What does the science tell us about whether or not we should be wearing gloves? So that's such a really great question too, because a lot of people are wearing gloves, but they don't understand the sterile technique. And so if you're out, if you're wearing gloves, but then you're like touching everything and you're not washing your hands with the gloves on, which you know, you could technically do that. Um, then, you know, the gloves are not really doing any good. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that has crossed my mind is um, our plastic consumables are going to go up tremendously around the planet. And we're all, we already have huge, huge problems with contaminants from plastics. So, you know, <laughs> between, you know, the masks, um, which are not all plastic, but you know, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of waste from that. And then all of the gloves that people are using. And I noticed that, you know, people are eating out now, uh, or, you know, they will go, they'll order food and go pick it up and bring it home. And it's all in plastic stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, you know, that's a thought. That's just something to uh, think about, but the gloves, there's really no need to wear the gloves. Um, wash your hands and, and don't use antibacterial soap. It's not necessary and it's full of toxins. You know, um, it's full of toxins. There's a whole, we could do an entire talk uh, showing you studies behind the toxins that are in a lot of these antibacterials. Um, and it's destroying your own, uh, your own micro diversity or microbiome diversity, not just in your gut, but on your skin too. We have bacteria Everybody knows about the bacteria that live inside of our gut that keep us healthy and that keep our immune system strong. But we also have, you know, bacteria all over our body on the outside too. We have bacteria everywhere on us and in us. We have thousands of viruses on us or in us. And they're not necessarily bad. They're, in fact, we can't live without them. And when you're using antimicrobial soaps all the time and you're taking that stuff off, you're actually taking off one of your defense systems to help keep you healthy. And so, you know, just use regular soap. That's all you need. What really gets rid of germs is the action of a little elbow grease. So like rubbing your hands together like this under the water, you know, just rubbing them. It's that friction that actually helps to get rid of germs. And it's the same thing like on your countertops, you know, um, you know, you could just use uh, plain soap and water, right? Or you, uh, you know, and, and, and then you could use um, some sort of harsh like, formula 409 or something like that. And you could do two different spots on your counter and just do like a really general wipe. And then you could go back and you could swab both of those areas, put it on a Petri dish. And you'll actually see that even with the harsh chemical, the, the amount of, uh, of bacteria and stuff that is growing on the Petri dish, it hasn't really changed. But then you can go back and do it again with something natural, like even just water even. And then you can use 409 and it's the scrubbing action that's actually gonna get rid of the bacteria. So you just wanna rub your hands really good with the wash. Wonderful, this is a really 
great question from Laura. She's asking if we can recommend a source for information on thyroid function and hormones in males. Her son-in-law has several symptoms and they think there's a link to the HPV vaccine. Dr. Tori, do you want to take that really quick? So, I'm, sorry, I'm just reading over here. Yes, can you read that again? That was like a multiple part question. <laughs> it was. So Laura's asking if we can recommend a source for information on thyroid function, or maybe we can talk about thyroid function here. Uh, thyroid hormones in males. You know, it's very commonly associated but went with women, but men also yeah. do have thyroid issues. They think that her son-in-law has several symptoms and that there's a link possibly to the HPV vaccine. Yeah, so I would say there's, yeah, two, two pieces to that. You know, the thyroid doesn't discriminate if you're a male or a female for, you know, having symptoms or malfunctioning. And with the thyroid, you always want to start looking at the gut. And you want to see, you know, is there a leaky gut? Is there inflammation? Is there toxins? Is there infection? What's going on in the gut? Because when those tight junctions in the gut open up, now your body, you know, the thyroid hormone gets into the blood and your body starts attacking it. You start getting all, that's when you can go in the autoimmune realm. But even if you just have inflammation in the gut, that thyroid conversion that happens there can't happen as efficiently. And so you start to see the thyroid slows down. So you always want to start in the gut. Knowing that he had a vaccine, vaccines have a lot of additives, especially the HPV. There's a lot of scary additives in that vaccine and it's very inflammatory. It's got, you know, some very harsh chemicals that could be really messing with the gut and could also be messing with the thyroid. So I think there's kind of two pieces to that. If you think that there might be some vaccine, um, you know, some vaccine reactions, I would look in and start doing some detoxing, start making sure that, you know, we're doing opening the liver detox pathways and able to clear heavy metals, clear these toxins that are in these vaccines and work on that. I would also then look at the gut and figure out what's going on in the gut. Why is the thyroid not functioning? And look at a full thyroid panel because a lot of doctors are just going to pull one or two things. Look at a full thyroid panel and then you can see, or we could see the whole picture of what's going on. Where is the problem? Is it a conversion problem? Is it, you know, what, like where in the system is it, is it having an issue? So you want to look at the big picture. You can't really look at it through a, a little lens. You have to see the whole picture and um, kind of go from there. Yeah, that's so well said. Um, there could be multiple reasons right? And we need to rule out, you know, what it, what it is. Um, you know, the vaccines, and there's a question here from Carmen that I'm going to go ahead and answer here in just a second, because this is kind of going along the same lines. Um, there is more and more evidence mounting um, that's available to the public um, that viral-based vaccines are actually leading to autoimmune issues and other multiple health issues later on in life. Um, and, and Dr. Judy Mikovits, when she jumps on and, and we go through this three, through this, uh, three part interview series, um, you know, we will be touching on that. Um, we want to understand more about the development of the vaccines and be able to share that stuff with you. I mean, we can share some of the stuff that we know, she's the expert. She was in the, she was actually, you know, on the front lines doing a lot of development of these vaccines. She was finding that there were some huge, huge concerns. She went to start blowing the whistle and, you know, and then, you know, now she's being a big advocate trying to, you know, not just save people in the United States, but trying to save the world from that. Um, 
if your son is having some different health issues, you know, let's, let's jump in and let's, let's look under the hood and let's start looking at everything because, you know, even if there was um, some causative agents from the vaccines, there's a lot of things that we can do to help heal the body, but we need to, you know, take a look under the hood and see what's going on. Um, you know, with that being said, let's go into Carmen's question uh, because this has been huge. This has been, this has been all over social media. People are losing their friendships over this and, um, you know, uh, over the emotions behind, you know, um, uh, behind, you know, these different narratives and, and what people are believing. Um, so Carmen is asking, it's one thing to believe that there's an infringement on rights to nationality, uh, you know, forcing vaccines. However, what do you feel is the best thing for the general public to do to make a difference? I'm not sure where to specifically raise our voice to make it count and not just be a noisemaker. There's a lot of concern over vaccines. <clears throat> and again, Dr. Judy is gonna be able to give you guys like information from the source, right? From the source. But I will say this, the whole concept of a vaccine, in my opinion, is rather holistic and natural in nature. The concept of a vaccine, super cool concept, right? It's even similar, some people might say it's even similar to the concept of homeopathy, right? You know, you give the person in micro doses, just micro doses, exposure to it, not enough so that they actually get sick, but you give it to them in just a small enough dose that they get exposed and their body recognizes it. So their body goes to work and creates its own antigens to fight it the next time it comes into full-blown contact with it, right? So that concept is amazing, but what they've done to vaccines is not amazing. What they've done to vaccines is scary and it should be outlawed and they should all be, in my opinion, thrown in jail for the rest of their lives for what they're doing because it's not just, it's not a clean vaccine. These vaccines that are out there are not clean. They're being mixed with animal DNA, animal RNA. That's scary. Do you wanna put animal DNA inside your body and see what happens? That's scary. And then they're putting adjuvants, they're putting toxic chemicals in there. There's no, there's no need for that. And the amounts of the toxic chemicals that are in the vaccines are, are are, are way above what, you know, what, what uh, studies have shown are gonna cause neurological damage. And then on top of that, you know, the, the powers that be have taken away the, you know, um, any responsibility or liability from the doctors giving the vaccines and the companies making them. That alone should make you step back and go, whoa, <laughs> if you're not gonna take liability for this drug that you're, that you're wanting to put into my body, I think I'm gonna opt out of that. Thank you very much, right? So there's just some things to step back and think about. Vaccines in and of themselves are amazing. It's, it's an amazing discovery that we were able to come up with, but it's how they're making the vaccines that's the problem. And, and Dr. Judy Mikovits will be able to talk about that more. And as far as speaking your voice, I mean, speak your voice as much as possible. Um, you know, I mean, there are a lot of things that can be done. Um, there's the, um, uh, the truth about vaccines, which on all the media channels, everyone's trying to shut it down. Um, but there's a lot of great information. Judy Mikovits speaks on there too, on the truth about vaccines. She's talking, she's talking, uh, uh, Kennedy Jr. is talking. He's been a huge advocate for many years, uh, trying to speak out against it. 
Um, and then speak with your own voice, you know, and, and don't try to convince anybody else because it's just going to piss them off. People have to learn this stuff on their own. Um, you know, trying to convince people to drink from the water is, is all that's going to do is make people more upset. People have to find their journey on their own. And it's unfortunate if them or their kids end up becoming brain damaged from, from it. You know, you don't ever want to go and say, I told you so. You have to let them figure it out on their own. You know, maybe share the link without being pushy or shoving it down their throats so that people can learn and understand what the risks are. But I know in our family, you know, we're never going to do it. And in the United States, that's one of the things that we need to maintain our constitutional rights, you know, <laughs> because, you know, we, we have rights in this country as to how we want to take care of our own health. And, and nobody should be able to force us to get chipped, to get vaccines, to stay inside. It's unconstitutional what's going on right now to, to tell people that they you know, um, can't open their businesses. That's unconstitutional. And the few people who have stepped up and opened their business anyways and have gotten either fined or taken to jail, good on them for doing that. Because when they hire an attorney and they fight it, they're, you know, they're going to win because what's going on is unconstitutional. You cannot tell somebody to shut their business down. <laughs> and, and again, for those of you who feel like that was a good idea, that's okay. You're welcome to feel like that. You know, if you feel like you need to stay inside and keep yourself safe, that's okay. Um, but again, if you just go back and look at the updated statistics, then you can change you know, what your, what your thoughts are on it. And you can realize that, you know, less than 1%, that's no different than, than, than the flu, um, you know, and, and, and then take other measures and see what you can do to prevent yourself from getting sick anyway. And then just realize too, that, that the current model for treating COVID is actually killing people. Read the news and see what's going on. The ventilators don't work. The ventilators is the wrong treatment. Right. And so, you know, go out there and look for other things um, that you can do to help prevent it or to, you know, quote unquote, treat it, you know, should you start to get sick. Absolutely. Education, I think, is key there. Educating yourself, getting your information from reliable sources definitely is important. So this next question is a great question from Catherine. So she says, herself, her mother, and her sibling all have different autoimmune issues, MS, early onset Parkinson's, and Hashimoto's. Plus, she also has fibromyalgia. Now, all of them developed these issues years after when they were living apart. Any thoughts on what common denominators she should be looking for to help explain why this is happening and what she should do in going about treating these or, or, or helping heal from these? Definitely. I think that there's a lot of things that could be common denominators. And you look at many things like environmental toxins, mold, and chemicals that were used when you guys were growing up, those could be in your body and could be, you know, you get to a point where the body, you have this buildup, 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 it can't take anymore and symptoms start manifesting. You look at things like we know that something like Lyme disease can be passed from a mother to babies. And so you have infections that can be passed. And so maybe your mom had Lyme disease, didn't really manifest until much later, passed it on to you and your siblings and Lyme can trigger all sorts of autoimmunity from MS to fibro to really anything. So it could be that, but then it also could just be that you guys grew up maybe in a moldy house and had you know chemicals that were in there. And then as 
you, your chemical and toxic exposure kept getting worse as you got older, your body started manifesting its symptoms. So it could be how, you know, something that you guys were exposed to as children in the house that you guys grew up in or something you guys were born with, um, like an infection. So I would do a wide variety of tests and the tests don't lie. They'll pick up on things. They'll pick up on mold and chemical exposures and Lyme and all of that. And I know we've seen people that they're in their seventies and they have mold and it was from an exposure when they were kids. So, you know, they, the body can't really detox mold well, especially when you have a whole bunch of other things in there. So do some testing and figure out what your guys' root causes are. Wonderful. Great question here from Cheryl. She's asking, can diabetes be related to infections and or viruses? Um, can diabetes be related to infections or viruses? Are we talking type 2 diabetes or type 1? Um, I would say that there could be some, some cor correlation there. You know, we actually have seen people who have had parasite infections um, develop into diabetes. Now, were we 100% sure that it was the parasite that actually led them into diabetes? You know, we, we honestly don't know that because when they presented, they actually presented with two different conditions at the same time. Um, so I would say that these different types of infections can definitely exacerbate or complicate these, these different chronic conditions. So that I feel comfortable saying, um, and um, but but to but to specifically say that a virus is causing, um, you know, something like diabetes, I don't know that I've you know seen enough research on that alone to say that that would be like a sole causative factor there. Wonderful. This next question is from Corey. She says she tested positive for mold getting her 16-year-old tested, will a urine test be accurate if he has mold and if he's not detoxing it? Yeah, I mean, we use, we use urine testing for mold and find it's the most accurate. Um, and, you know, the body, they're, they're looking for metabolites. They're looking for the breakdown of these mycotoxins. And so if you really wanted to make it a little bit more accurate, you could add in, you know, something like glutathione for a few days, take a break, and then take the test. And that would detox it. Um, you could do that. But generally speaking, most people, if there's mold in the body, a mycotox will pick it up. Um, you might not pick it up at a full capacity. We see all the time where someone tests, we see a decent amount of mold. Test number two, we see a ton of mold, even though we've been working on getting rid of it. And then test number three, it's far better because as the body detoxes, you know, it starts releasing more, dumps it, and then we see that. So I would say, you know, even if you're not detoxing, you're still most likely going to pick up on mold in that urine test. Awesome. And a follow-up question here from Corey. Um, not sure how to get a teenage boy to be compliant on the diet if he does test positive. And so, you know, just to clarify about what kind of diet we recommend, because I think someone was asking about what, what we mean when we say a diet for, for an anti-mold or an anti-candida diet. 
So, so we recommend that you cut all sugars from the diet, including fruit for in the beginning, because candida mold, you know, they're fungus and they feed, yeast and fungus feed on these sugars, natural or processed sugars. And so um, when we're talking about a, a diet for, for candida or for mold, you know, your focus is lots of vegetables, lots of greens, high quality protein, um, and eliminating all the types of sugar from the diet. And then there are some foods that are really high in mold. And these are grains, corn, um, coffee beans can be really high in mold. Some nuts like cashews and peanuts can be high in mold. So eliminating these from the diet while you're trying to get rid of mold also keeps you from putting additional mold into the body when you're trying to get rid of it in the first place. So how do you get a teenage boy to be compliant? Well, that's really tough because, you know, let's face it, you can't really force a teenager to not eat certain foods. It's just really hard to do and it's impossible. It'll make your life really difficult to have to watch 24 hours a day what he's eating or not eating. So I think where you start with that is you you have him involved in his treatment if if he does come back you know with the positive test having him involved in the process having him understand what's happening in his body and what could happen in his body if he doesn't treat this and being on the same page with him um, so he has some motivation and has some reasoning and why he should be changing his diet I think that's number one and hopefully that's enough to kind of motivate him to say you know what okay let me do this you know it's not forever it's just for you know a certain amount of months until you can get rid of the mold um so so i think that's your your first step any anything either of you want to add to that no i think that was that was a great answer actually that was wonderful, wonderful. um i see a question in the uh q a so we've got a chat box and then we've got the q a so we're we're check we're trying to check both of those here um Someone is saying, I'm supplementing with iron and would like to take zinc for prevention, but I don't know how long I should wait before taking the zinc. Tori, do you want to answer that? Yes. So that is a great question. I know last time we touched on not mis you know, messing with iron with other supplements. 30 to 45 minutes is a good rule of thumb. Really with any supplements that shouldn't be mixed, 45 minutes is a really good you know, safety net around it. And so just take your iron, um, you know, by itself and then take everything else 30 to 45 minutes later. Um, it's, yeah, you'll be good in that, in that time frame. And vitamin C though can be taken with iron and it actually does help absorption. So if you are going to pair anything with your iron, pair your vitamin C with iron. That's, that's really good information. Um, and I wanted to read this other one, Anne, if that's okay. Um, this is from uh, Dr. Yvonne. Dr. Yvonne is a naturopathic doctor out of Arizona. I mean, no. New Mexico. New Mexico. Sorry. And, uh, and uh, she's, she's been in practice for many years. Um, she's a good friend of ours, and she's actually, um, she's actually joining our team here at Modern Holistic Health. And I'm really glad to see you on today, Dr. Yvonne. Um, she is just mentioning something that I thought we could kind of maybe just jump back in. I thought this was definitely worth reading what she has to share with you because of her extensive knowledge and experience um, and her many years of practice. Um, she says, there's an underlying philosophy of vaccines. 
And you know, we are victims of microorganisms against the reality that we were designed to live in harmony with nature, including microorganisms. She's saying that you know, whether or not you get sick is about, is about you as the host. What kind of environment are you providing for these organisms that, are, that can potentially make you sick or not? Um, and what is the terrain that you, that you are creating inside of your body? You know, these pathogens, I mean, why is it that, you know, all of us can be in a room together with somebody that has the flu? and only maybe one of us gets sick and the rest of us don't. But we were all sharing the same wine glass or tasting each other's cocktail or whatever, like we'd all got exposed, right? But only one of us ends up getting sick, why is that, right? It's not because the, that, that pathogen was the boogeyman and just decided to attack that one person. No, we all got exposed to it. Well, what kind of environment do we have? Our bodies, I mean, we are, we are from this earth. I mean, our physical bodies are, right? Our, you know, we were born unto this earth and, and we are a part of a very diverse and vast and massive ecosystem that is a part of this planet. So, you know, we're not separate from that. How many times have you watched the old uh, Jacques Cousteau? I grew up watching that. I don't even know if he's even on TV anymore. But you watch all those, you know, those old um, exploratory type documentaries, and they show you all the amazing ecosystems down in Australia, in the outback, the ecosystems that are in the different barrier reefs, you know, or the uh, different, you know, uh, 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 you know, big reefs around the world, or the jungles, you know, or the desert ecosystems. All of these individual ecosystems actually rely on all the other ecosystems. They're not separate of one another. And we are a part of those ecosystems. We're a part of that. And why do we think that we're like so above and beyond that? We're a part of that. And we need to learn to live harmoniously with our, with the multitude of ecosystems that we have on our planet. We need to learn how to use the ecosystems and plant medicine, you know, to our advantage. And you know, those, many of those of you who are here with us today are already on that path. And you see how potent and how amazing that plant medicines are. And you see, and you've seen all the amazing turnarounds that you've had in your chronic diseases that your doctors told you you could never get rid of, that you were gonna just have to take these medications and then eventually die from this disease. It's BS, I call BS on that. <laughs> it's not true. Your body can heal, we see it all the time and we've got all the data to prove it. And we didn't do it by giving you a drug and making you, uh, you know, separate from your, from the, the ecosystem that you live in. We showed you how to use the ecosystem to heal you. And so what Dr. Yvonne says is just, that's so, so important. You know, we, we can build our bodies up with our diet, our lifestyle, and live as close to nature as possible. It is then that we may live in harmony with all microorganisms. That's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. Great point there by Dr. Yvonne. You know, I wanted to touch on, we have a really great comment here from, from Kathy. We were talking about diet and how to get teens, you know, to, to follow particular diets. You know, and Kathy makes a great point. She says, just living it in front of them and seeing the difference it makes in your life. They, you know, it, it sinks in and they remember that. And that is so wonderful, Kathy. You're exactly right. You have to be an example for, for these kids. You know, I have an eight-year-old, so I can attest to how hard it is to get kids to follow, you know, a healthy diet. I started really young with my 
my daughter though. I started when, when she was one years old, we, we became gluten-free in our household and started making all these changes. And so they see what we do and they follow that. So if, if you do find your son, you know, having to go on a strict diet, do it with him, do it as a family, be the example. Trust me, that makes it much easier. He doesn't feel isolated. He doesn't feel alone in it. And you, you have some bonding time there as a family to do this together. So wonderful point there by Kathy. All righty, let's see. I think that's all of our questions, unless anybody has any other last minute questions uh, you wanna get in, but we've got a lot of great comments from people um, thanking you, Dr. V, for, for you know, your stand on, on the vaccines and what you were saying earlier about um, you know, doing the research. And so you know, thank you all for these wonderful comments. We, we really, really appreciate all of your support. Yeah, we totally appreciate you guys. We love all of you. Thank you so much for being here. We are here for you. Um, any updates that we have, um, be sure and check your emails for the updated times for the upcoming Tribe Talks, especially with this three-part series um, that is coming up. Um, and we've got some other really awesome speakers that are going to be lined up after that. We're going to go from two days a week to one day a week when we hit the beginning of June, I believe. So we'll be going, we'll be taking it down to uh, one day a week. Uh, what else do we have going on? We've got um, in our emails uh, that we send out for our newsletter, um, this month we're going to have a lot of different links to things like truth about vaccines to a lot of information <clears throat> if you're looking for other information if you're if you're trying to open your eyes and you're looking for answers because what you see just doesn't make a lot of sense then the next newsletter is going to be for you if you if you if you're not ready to open your eyes it's okay it's okay cuz you know the people who are opening their eyes, we're gonna, you know, we're standing up for everybody and, and it's okay. Um, so you don't have to open the links, but I'm gonna be popping stuff in there that I have found that I feel is super important, that I feel that, that you guys need to know. So pay attention to that. And then we've got, um, just to give you guys a heads up, at the end of June, and I know this is out a little ways, but I'm gonna start plugging it now. Uh, at the end of June, um, I, I'm co-hosting with a good friend of mine, Dr. Ryan Wolfert, a Leaky Brain Summit. And we have worked so hard to put this thing together. It's going to be amazing. We don't want you to miss it. Uh, we also have a mental health masterclass um, that has been spreading like wildfire. It has gone viral. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, um, it's getting ready to uh, come out where people can watch it at their own you know, time frame. Right now, it's not set up like that. That's called an evergreen model. It's not set up like that where you can just click on it and watch it anytime you want. But um, we spent a lot of time putting that together at the end of last year. And it's, it's so relevant always because mental health and neurodegenerative disease is a massive, massive issue around this world that, that um, you know, that needs to get more attention. And unfortunately, uh, right now, we're seeing a, a massive increase in people calling helplines across the United States. It's like an 891% increase. It's really scary. Please tell your friends about us. We're here for you. We have been working night and day to develop new programs for people so that you know more and more people can afford it, even if they can't do as comprehensive of a program you know, as they would like 
to do. You know, we have been putting things together and working night and day to put programs together so that we can help the masses and help people that are struggling uh, with mental health, you know, hitting it from all sides, from the, you know, emotional and psychological trauma side to the biological side, to the genetic side. Uh, you know, we're, we're really working with people. And so we've got some big stuff coming up soon. So just, you know, thank you for being a part of our family and for staying with us and we love you and we're here for you. And if you haven't already joined our Crusaders for Health um, Facebook page, please do so. Um, and if there is, when a new platform becomes available, we will be one of the first ones to leave Facebook. Uh, but for <laughs> right now, that's an easy platform for people. We don't agree with all the censoring that's going on. There's no reason to censor stuff. Um, this is a free country. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, like I said, if we can find a different platform, there are already people working on it right now. Uh, we will be moving over. So thank you very much. We love you guys. And we will see you soon. Bye.